right, I encourage you to take your Bible, turn over to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 7 through 12 as we talk about the test of true love. You don't have any notes to take today, so just listen carefully, and it should be about 20, 20 minutes or so, and then we'll have a couple more songs here to wind our service up. First John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. And may God have his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, help us as we open your word. We thank you for the inspired, inerrant word of God. It's like a double-edged sword that cuts through the marrow and bone right to our heart. And we pray you'll do your work in our hearts and our lives today through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I could sum up. Verses 7 through 21, in one sentence, it would be this. The main evidence that we are growing in Christ is not exhilarating prayer experiences, but steadily increasing humble love for other people. And really, that's what John is saying. He is coming back to this theme that we need to love our brothers and sisters. He's coming out from a different angle, a little more detailed here. And he's going to give us the why, why we should love our brothers and sisters in Christ. John is speaking, as usual, to Christ's followers. We see that right there in verse 7 where he says, Beloved, he has challenged them to test the spirits to see and understand if the spirits are true or false. And that within the believer, we have the Holy Spirit to help us discern the spirit of truth and error. But now at the end of the rest of this chapter, he's turning uh, to look at a deeper look of God's love for those he has redeemed and his responsibility that comes naturally through the Holy Spirit to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So two main points this morning to think about. First of all, we love our brothers and sisters because God demonstrated his love for us. It starts with us. And when we realize how much God loves us, then it should overflow as we'll look at point two into our love for others. If we're born again, you receive God's full extent of love. Verses 7 and 8, it lays it out clearly that if you know Christ is Savior, if you've been redeemed, if you've experienced regeneration, if you're saved, you will naturally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, love people. The first priority for us as Christians is to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The second priority is to love our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Well, if you look in Luke chapter 10, the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, the neighbor is anyone that you come in contact with, and someone who may have a need that you can meet. And thirdly, Jesus said we're to love our enemies. 
And by doing that, we are heaping coals on their head. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 20 tell us about that. And John Calvin said this idea of heaping coals on your enemy by loving them. He says, either our enemy will be softened by kindness, or if he's so ferocious that nothing may assuage him, he will be stunned and tormented by the testimony of his conscience, which will feel itself overwhelmed by our kindness. You've heard that saying, kill people with kindness. And that's what we need to do with our enemies, is to show love to them. So love for the fellow Christ followers especially, and then others, is a sign that we are truly born again, that we are saved. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the second part. Because God is love, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The amazing thing is not that we can love God, but that God initiated his love to us first. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but willingly gave himself up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? We see there in this passage in verse 9, only son, one and only, unique, no one else like him. He talks about propitiation, and propitiation means that Jesus was our substitute, that he satisfied the wrath of God by dying on the cross and shedding his blood because God's a just God and there had to be a payment for sin and Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, was that payment for sin. So why did God send Jesus to be the payment and propitiation for our sin? It tells us there in verse 9, so that we could live through him, that we could have life through him, life abundant here on earth and then life eternal in heaven. God initiated or seeking after man, and he's done all the work necessary to receive the grace of his gift of eternal life. So if God so loved us, how can we not love others? I love Romans 13, 8. Paul said this, Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So if you receive God's love, you grow into maturity by sharing God's love. I really discovered this as I read this passage. One of the ways that we grow and mainly grow in Christ is by our love and our service to other people. In 1 John 4, 12, look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. No one has seen God, but if we love others, they will see the God that lives within us. You know that verse, Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There was a large amount of radioactive material stolen from a hospital by someone. And the person in the hospital who found out about it, realized how serious it was, called the police and said, when you find a thief, tell them that if they keep that radioactive material with them, it will bring death upon them. As long as they kept that radioactive material with them, it was going to affect them in a bad way. Well, the person who claims he knows God is in union with him 
will be personally affected by this relationship. A Christian ought to become what God is, and God is love. To argue otherwise is to prove that one does not really know God. Notice he says in these verses, perfected. Perfected. This is interesting. It means something that has reached its goal and replaced by something that is better. If you go out to eat sometimes and you order a drink, iced tea, Coke, whatever it may be, and then you drink it down to the end and the server comes and says, would you like another one? They replace it with another glass, another drink. And so it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And that's the picture. Our love gets perfected or more mature the more it flows out of us into other people's lives. And God is slowly, gradually replacing the imperfect love we have as we show love to others with the growing and better love that is being perfected in us as we share that love with others. We get better and better at this thing of agape love as we experience it in growing deeper in our relationship with God, but we also experience it more and more in our lives as we go out and share that agape love more often and more plentifully with others. We show that when we give financially to the church we show that when we use our spiritual gifts and passionate ways to serve within the church and in the community. We do that by helping someone in need. We spend time listening to someone, visiting people in the hospital. It is a growing, serving love because God's love is more understood and experienced as we grow in Christ. This also shows us that the gospel affects every part of the Christ follower's being. It transforms the mind and the heart that leads to physical action. So the more you believe and receive God's love, the more you will give and show God's love to others. That's the application. The more you believe and receive God's love, the more you will give and show God's love to others. The second and last main point is we love our brothers and sisters because God's love flows through us from and by the Holy Spirit. In 1 John, look at verse 13 if you have your Bible. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So you and I, we remain or we abide in God's love because of Christ's indescribable show of love for us. The Spirit of God abides in his children. <clears throat> this Holy Spirit fosters the ability to love others, even our enemies. Agape love is giving of ourselves unconditionally without expecting anything in return. And think about it, isn't that what God did for us? He unconditionally gave his son hoping that we would come and receive him as Savior. And that's the kind of love that we need to display to others. And John is saying that he and the apostles have personally testified of who this Jesus is and was. Notice he uses that word testify. In 1 John 1, the beginning of the book, he's speaking from experience. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we, the apostles, have heard, which we've seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, 
and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made known to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So he's talking from experience, seeing Jesus firsthand and testifying that to us so now we testify that love to others. Verse 15 says, confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Confession means to come to believe and then to share it with others. We see the witness of believer that is Jesus is the Christ in verse 15. The witness in the believer by the Spirit in verse 13. And the witness through the believer, God's love seen by sending his Son to die in verse 14. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan was a famous British preacher from yesteryear, and he had five sons, all of whom went into the ministry to be pastors. And one day a visitor was in their home, and the six of the men were together, and the visitor asked, which one of you six say is the best preacher among you? And they looked at each other, and they all said together in unison, Mother, Mother is the best preacher. Of course, Mrs. Campbell Morgan never preached a formal sermon in church, but her life was a constant sermon of love for God. And then we abide in God's love and share his love with others to be ready to stand before God at the end of our life. This is a real interesting passage. It's a thing about having the confidence to face death and then to face the time that we're going to all stand accountable as believers before God. It says in verse 17, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21, this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. As this love grows and grows in us, it will give Christ followers confidence and preparation for standing before God to give an account for their lives. And be reminded, we're going to be uh, give an account for our words, it tells us in Matthew. We're going to give account of our works in 1 Corinthians 3 and our motives for what we do with those works. And so that, folks, is what my job as a pastor is all about, is to prepare you, prepare the flock and myself for that day to make sure that we're born again, but then also to make sure that we are ready, we are confident to stand before God because of the way we lived our lives to honor and glorify him. So look forward to preparing you to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Perfect here again means that God's perfect love is slowly and gradually overtaking the imperfect love moment by moment in the believer's life. We do not have to fear death or standing before God as a Christ follower. If we're loving others with the love God is pouring through us, if we're letting that love flow out of us, if we're standing on the truth as we, uh, uh, we're led by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit, and if we're obeying God's commandments, which, by the way, is God's love language, 
then fear is removed and love is being perfected in our lives. In verse 19, that's a great verse to dwell on. It talks about how that we love because he first loved us. And when I read that verse, I think of the casting crown song, Love Moved First. God loved us before the creation of the world, before the beginning of time. And so that should compel us by the love of Christ to share the ministry of reconciliation with other people. And lastly, as a Christian, we're to deal with unresolved conflict with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We cannot say we love God whom we haven't seen when we don't love our brothers and sisters made in his image, part of God's forever family who we do see. Matthew 5 says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. And a verse that I love to be challenged with all the time, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If God can forgive me of all the things that are in my heart, in my past, how can I not learn to forgive others around me. So the application here as we close is this, the more you abide in Christ, the more the fruit of love will be displayed in your relationships with people. And that's important. We love because he first loved us. Let's repeat that a couple of times. Let's say it together. We love because he first loved us. Let's say it again. We love because he first loved us. And as we pray today, I want to leave you with a couple challenges. Who needs your love this week, number one? Who needs your love this week? Second of all, who do you need to reconcile with this week? Is there somebody that you need to sit down and have a conversation with that has either been offended by you or you've offended them? Number three, will you do number one or number two? Love someone this week or reconcile with someone as well. Let's pray. Father, it's hard to fathom the deep love that you have for us. And that when we were your enemies, when we were lost in our sin, you still loved us. And you demonstrated that love from the cross until now, and you continue to do that, of the depth of love that you have for us. And so, Lord, motivate us. Help us to be motivated with that agape love that's within us to allow it to flow out of our hearts and lives to a needy, dying world around us who so desperately needs to know the true definition of love. Someone who gave of themselves without expecting anything in return. You did that for us. Help us to do that toward others so we might reflect the love of Christ that's in our lives. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.